I'd like you to open your Bibles to um, Book of Esther tonight. I was going to tell some jokes, but I'll tell you what, that, that I could <laughs> that lunch, that tea, dinner time was so funny. <laughs> it was brilliant. I thought anything from that would be a de- a coming down. <laughs> It's like I'm going to quit while I'm ahead. <laughs> I once read somewhere that uh, someone was going to church and they said, Lord, if the preacher's not anointed, at least make them funny. <laughs> so I try and tell a joke, you know, at least, at least I've got that bit ahead. Praise God. I want us to read Esther um, chapter 5. Esther chapter 5. Now it happened, verse 1, chapter 5, verse 1. Now it happened on the third day, on the third day. Everywhere in your Bible you read the third day, it's a prophetic picture of what God is bringing us into. Amen? Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. Hosea uh, chapter 6 there that uh, the the, the Lord says, I have smitten and I have, uh, you know, dealt with you. But on the third day, I will raise you up that you may sit together with me. And that my coming forth is as the rain, is as sure as the rain. It's It's a prophetic picture of what God is doing in this hour. So on the third day, Esther put on her royal robes. She's at a place where she really means business. What had happened was Esther had come into that tremendous um, place of being uh, received by the king as as his royal bride, and and there she's uh, she's just uh, totally you know there in the palace and and uh, learning what it is to be uh, the bride of the king, learning what it is to to be in the palace, and and. um, uh, sometime later, the Bible says that a man called um, Haman gets promoted. Promoted. And uh, sometimes it looks like the devil's winning. Sometimes it looks like the devil's getting the upper hand. And so when he got promoted, the one thing he couldn't stand was Mordecai, Esther's uncle, standing at the gate because Haman was a Malachite. His descendant was of a people that hated God and hated God's people. The word Amalekite, mean, part of it means strangler. And, um, and so he went home and he, he told his wife, you know, I've been promoted, but nothing makes me happy while ever I see Mordecai there, that Jew. You know, I hate him. And there he is. And so his wife, who was really nice piece of work, says, well, why don't you, <laughs> why don't you build a gallows and, and hang him on it, darling? <laughs> Yes, she was, she was a different sort of check this woman. <laughs> Why don't you build a gallows and hang him on it? He says, great idea. So um, it, he builds this gallows, and it wasn't any ordinary gallows. It's like 50 foot high, 50 foot high. And then he goes to the king, and he says, there is a people that don't honor you. They actually honor another god. And I would like you to help me. I would like to help you by wiping them out. So if you give me letters uh, and the money um, to enforce that and give me um, the power to, to release this royal decree that they would be wiped out. And the king uh, thought that would be a good idea for someone to protect his kingdom. So Haman goes out with letters, an authorization or, the, or the, 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 the decree to destroy, wipe out and kill the people of God. Now, um, Mordecai gets word to Esther 
that this is what's happened. And she sends word back saying, you know, um, I haven't been sent for by the king these 30 days and it's uh, not lawful to enter his presence if you're not sent for. He sends word back saying, don't kid yourself. If you remain silent at this time, you will perish with everyone else. And who knows that God will have to raise up someone else who bring deliverance. So Esther says, she makes a decision. She makes a choice. She said, well, you go and fast and pray and me and my maidens will fast and pray. And uh, after three days, she said, then I'll go before the king. And if I perish, I perish. And when she made that decision to really put her life on the line, to really go for everything that was on the line at that time, she signed Haman's death warrant. She signed and sealed his destruction. And I want to say there are choices we're making right now that are going to make the difference between life and death and heaven and hell for many, many people. Amen? If we remain silent at this time. And, uh, you know, um, I love um, what um, Ali, is it? Yeah, was saying about engaging the enemy. It's time to engage God fully and completely. It's time to be what we're called to be. Amen? It's time to put our life on the line. And you know, um, it's not Uncle Sam that needs you. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the Lord spoke to me once and he said this, my people live in virtual reality. I said, virtual reality? He said, yeah. Laodicean. The church mentality that says, I'm rich, increased in goods and in need of nothing. And the the answer was, your true state, the true state of affairs is you don't know how pitiable, poor, blind, wretched and naked you are. There's some gold that you have to buy of me that's tried in the fire. There's some gold that only comes to us through going through the fires. Amen? I salve to really open your eyes to see what's going on. And, um, and so it's like, um, but the Laodicean church, the last church got the most unprecedented, incredible uh, promises of breakthrough and, and overcoming power and unprecedented levels of moving in authority with God. If we can get past the leisure and pleasure, the, 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 the Laodicean thing that tries to come over the church where we live in virtual reality. What's virtual reality? When? My son and his friend would come in and they would sit down and they've got a football game and they've got their, both their controls and they're sitting on the couch and you're hearing, oh, you know, I got that goal. No, you got that goal. All this noise is happening. And then finally, yay, we won. And um, they get up and they've had a great time. But truly, they've never left the couch. <laughs> We've got to be very careful that just because we sing the songs... We've got to go out the door and be the songs. We've got to be the songs. You know, I have a great passion for reading um, recipe books. <laughs> I love reading recipe books. In fact, I can, I can actually spend one or two hours just going through recipe books, ticking them, picking out the ones I really like, and then um, marking them again. I go through the ones I've marked and then pick out of the ones I've marked the ones I really, really like. And then I will actually, if I'm going to someone's place and I like something, I will say something like, can you give me the recipe? <laughs> I will even write out the ingredients as I see them cooking it. I have a collection of recipes. But you know, I still cook the same three meals. <laughs> Spaghetti bolognese. <laughs> 
chicken and salad. <laughs> and there was one other. <laughs> and of late, I've started to collect exercise videos. <laughs> because I've been told you get to my age, it's all turning to marble. Marble fat, you know, like, not marble. And, you know, sometimes I'll see ones that have a 20-minute workout that I can fit that in. <laughs> and I'll sit and watch it. <laughs> I feel great. Tell you what. <laughs> and, and, and I'll sometimes go out with my husband. I'll say, look, they've got a sail on. This one's Pilates. Surely this is going to turn me into a... But I never do them. <laughs> I'm about to give them away. If I ask you, if you for a recipe, just refuse me. <laughs> but you know what? We're in danger of doing that because we sing the songs. I'm going to stay on the battlefield till I die. I'm going to watch, fight and pray. I wonder what's on TV at 8.30. <laughs> and look, I'm not against television. Praise the Lord. I love movies. I love movies. I went to see The Blind Side. Anyone seen The Blind Side yet? Yay! Wasn't it awesome? Fantastic. But you know, there's some things that we have to engage in. God is bringing a spirit of evangelism over the church. It's time for us. You know, there were days in the early days where I carried tracts, where, where, you know, we, we, we left them in places. That, but you know what? I don't carry tracts anymore. I'm upset about that. I'm going to start to carry tracks, revised ones, <laughs> not the turn and burn ones. <laughs> but you know what? We have to break through some of the conservatism that's come, about, come around our lives. We've become too conservative. And, you know, I get an opportunity um, to have a captive audience sometimes when I'm flying. But sometimes, you know, I don't want to talk to anybody. Sometimes I want to sit and read. But invariably, God will put someone beside me. Darn it. <laughs> but you know, there is something that's got to rise in our heart which says, I'm driven by the love of God. And I remember I was going to North Queensland once and there was two girls sitting beside me and, and, and uh, you know, they were, they were going to Airlie Beach. It was a bit of a, it really sounded like they were really going to hit the town from the conversation. And they were kind of like dressed up in, in you know, um, you know, little jeans that didn't quite cover everything and little tops that didn't quite cover everything. And there was a few choice words flying and one was really scared of flying and I'm sitting there. And, uh, and so I usually get in first so that then they can relax. You know, it's hi, you know, your first time flying and yeah. And uh, I just said, well, you know, where are you going? And they're going to Ellie Beach and do this, that and the other. I said, well, you know, if you get into any spot or tight place, you know, you need to call on the name of Jesus because Jesus will help you. And then I kind of like give my testimony in five minutes flat. <laughs> you know, I was once, uh, you know, when I was young taking drugs and, you know, riding a motorbike and, you know, um, I just met Jesus. Jesus was real. He came into my life. He, he gave me a new life. He wants to... He wants to do that for you. And, and it's like they're kind of like being real polite, thinking, oh, gosh, we've got a Bible basher next to it. You know, you can, but I wanted to sow the seed. I don't mean we become obnoxious, but we've got to start to break out of the conservatism. And so I kind of like really spell it out, and then I purposely read my books so they, they can relax. 
<laughs> when we got to Early Beach, they'll be working out how they, or we got to Proserpine, they were working out how they can get to Early Beach, which is the resort at the coast. And, and I saw the bus that takes them. And so I went over to the girls and they were there having a chain smoke. They'd got past, uh, having a smoke, they got past the flight and they were puffing away. And as I walked towards them, it was almost like, the, oh no, here she comes. But I said, look, uh, there's, there's the bus that'll take you over there. And then I just uh, took out some money and I said, look, there's a great place to have your first night's meal. It's called Hog's Breath. I just want to shout you about the meal there so you can have your first night's meal. Well, it just totally changed. One of them said, you know, I used to go to church. Um, they were singing this song, uh, she said, and then she began to sing, I'm going to be a history maker in the land. And her friend looked at her I said, did you? And, and they began to, she said, yeah. I said, yeah, that was a great church. You need to go back to that church. And they just opened up and were just, you just don't know what your words are going to say. And we have to get past the fear of being thought to be a religious fanatic. Jesus was led with compassion. And, and you know, it, you don't have to be traveling to bump into people. I was down at the Woolworths. Do you have Woolworths here? Down at the Woolies. And, and, and I'm, I'm one of these people who doesn't know, uh, doesn't shop for more than three days at a time. I find it too taxing. <laughs> God bless you if you can shop for a fortnight. You're my hero. But it's like three days is my limit and I'm back again. <laughs> so so I'm, I was down there quite often. Because <laughs> we run out of things quite often. And, uh, and so I would often see, uh, you know, there's many of girls that work in the Woolworths. There's this one particular one, Natasha. She has blonde hair. And every time I would pass her, I just sort of feel this compassion. She just looked like she needed a mother. And it was just like a, I could feel this mother's heart. And so I'd try and make sure I went through her checkout. How are you? And uh, I always try and call her name. How are you, Natasha? She says, oh, fine. I said, I like your hair. She says, yeah, I cut it myself. You know, it's really pretty and, and you know, <laughs> and um, one day I was coming through Natasha's checkout and I said, uh, how are you, Natasha? And she said, oh, not so good. What's the matter? And she said, well, when I was waiting for the bus to come to work, I had my bag stolen. I said, oh, is it a good bag? She said, yeah, I saved up for it and had my mobile phone in it. And I said, oh, that's no good. What did your parents say? And she said, oh, my dad died when I was two. But, uh, yeah, my mum was pretty upset. And, I, and uh, I said, oh, that's no good. And so I went and took my groceries home. And I, I, just, I just had such a, a – just couldn't get her out of my mind. So I did what anyone else here would do. I went down. Um, she'd bought it at Myers, So I went and got a gift voucher at Myers for around the price, she said. And uh, got a card and, and, and put some money in it towards her mobile phone. And I got a Christian magazine that I marked. <laughs> <laughs> put it in the bag, and I went down to Woolworths. Well, I couldn't see her anywhere. And I had to go away for two weeks, so I couldn't really put it off. And so I'm waiting and waiting. I'm thinking, oh, gosh. So I went over to the desk, and I said, is Natasha working today? And they said, yes, she's on her lunch break. I said, oh, could you send for her? And they sort of looked at me. I said, I just need to see her. And so they did the whole thing. Would Natasha Holmes please come to the front desk? Would Natasha Holmes please come to the front desk? By this time, I feel like a stalker. I've always wanted a daughter like Natasha, and I'm now going to whisk her off. <laughs> Natasha Holmes. And <laughs> anyway, Natasha comes out. 
And uh, I said, oh, hi, Natasha. Look, I just really felt what had happened, you know, and I just wanted you to have this. It's just something so you can get another bag. And I'll put a Christian magazine in there. And if you read page 31, <laughs> I found the Lord when I was about your age and it made all the difference in the world. And she goes, oh, thank you. And she gives me a big hug, right, and Woolies. I had to go away for two weeks. <clears throat> and I was praying for a while I was away. Young girl, about 16. I came back to Woolies, get some groceries, and uh, I couldn't see her. So I thought, oh, I'll come back a few days later. I came back a few days later, couldn't see it. Third time, I went up to the desk, and I just said, oh, I haven't seen Natasha around lately. And they said, oh, she was in a very serious car accident. She was in intensive care, and um, she's not coming back to work. I said, oh. I went, it was like... I was absolutely devastated. I looked up all the Natasha homes. I first of all rang the hospital. They don't give you information if you're not a relative. And um, um, I looked up many of the uh, homes in the, in the phone book and there was none that responded to, said that they had heard that address. So I rang my daughter. It's just such in me that I just had to connect. She said, okay, mum, I'll ring you back. <laughs> so she rings back and she says, Mum, she's such and such and she lives at this address. So I put together a basket. I got some books and things and things that young 16-year-olds would like. Got a basket, prayed over it, went along to that address and knocked on the door. Oh, no, I didn't before that, sorry. I wrote a card to that address saying, I'm the lady that gave you the bag. This is my phone number. I would love to visit you. Could you please ring me? And uh, a couple of days later, she rang. She said, hello. And I said, hi, Natasha. Um, I was just wondering if I could come visit you. I heard you weren't well. And she said, that'd be fine. So then I got the basket together, got in the car. And after I'd been stalking the place, driving past, <laughs> is that the house? One of them, she's, finally. <laughs> and my basket walked up, knocked on the door. I said, oh, um, I've, I've just come to visit Natasha. This lady answered the door. You know, a lady that had been through the mill. Smoking away and two little kids. Been in a de facto relationship where she had a court order because of the violence of this man. And two little ones and this 16-year-old. Natasha's on the couch there. So I came in and sat out in the back and she, she sort of got up. She'd had a, a liver a cut. She'd had ribs broken. She'd had, she had very, very serious um, problems. She, she, she came out to the back, a poor patio there and... And I sat and I talked with the Natasha and her mum, Nikki, and we shared. And I talked about the Lord. Her father, her, um, Nikki's partner, Natasha's dad, had been decapitated in a car accident when she was two. And it had been tragic. Uh, you know, the father of these two little girls was a violent man and uh, set fire to the house. And just horrific things that had happened to them. As I shared with them, after two hours, I asked them what they like to ask Jesus into their heart. And they both prayed and accepted Jesus into their heart. And then they came to church. And uh, Natasha said, can I bring my friend so-and-so? I said, sure, you can bring your friend. One day I was visiting them. And you just gotta, you just got to love people where they're at. I'm talking to Nikki and a guy starts w walking out of the bedroom. Oh, okay, that's a bit different. And then she asked me next time I see her, she said, can I bring Dave to church? Yes, you can bring Dave to church. You can bring. They brought about half a dozen people to church. And, you know, we have got to press past 
the feeling of people will reject our message. We've got to, Paul said this, he says, I'm driven by the love of God. Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. And all around about us, there are people that are living in desperate situations, just waiting for someone to reach out and say, you know, and oftentimes you can just give someone a book. You can meet someone at something you're doing, get their address, and later on just send them a tract and a book. And just, I was thinking about you. A lot of people have come to the Lord through that. Right now, if you know God's put that gift of evangelism on your life, I want you just to stand wherever you are right now because God is releasing the spirit of evangelism uh, in a powerful way over this company of people. He's releasing the spirit of evangelism. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, right now. Father, I thank you for the revival fire, the fires. Lord, I thank you, the, the revival anointing for evangelism that you showed me, that it's going to be like fire shut up in their bones, that there will be such a powerful uh, revelation of the gospel, Lord, that it would not be even um, in there up to them to make it to prove it, but God, you're just waiting to show yourself real to people. Right now, I take authority over every timidity spirit. I take authority over conservatism. I take authority over um, even the sense of the magnitude of the job causing us to feel um, diminished in our capacity. Right now, I break the power of that. And Lord, I thank you for a double portion. I thank you for that mantle of evangelism being released right now. Right now, Lord, I thank you for a heart that would um, just be concerned with other people. That Lord, that wherever they are, Lord Jesus, in restaurants, in supermarkets, in, in places, Lord, that they, that they would be open to you laying a particular person, a particular name, a particular face upon their heart. And Father God, not only just to pray, but to reach out and share the gospel in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The Lord says, daughter, know that I have called you, anointed you, and appointed you to bear much fruit. And the Lord says, I've been sharpening even that word within you. Fear not, even the sharpening for iron sharpens iron. And the Lord says, you're going to be amazed for I've put gifts of evangelism and the fields are white and ready for harvest. And the Lord says, you're going to know what it is to even relate to different cultures, different age groups, different peoples, different situations. And the Lord says that healing anointing will be strong upon your life, gifts of word of knowledge, word of wisdom and the working of miracles. For the Lord says, I'm going to show myself strong on your behalf and I'm going to heal all manner of diseases and skin conditions and limbs. And, and God says, I want you to be bold and pray even for those with, with incurable diseases for I'm going to heal them and set them free. For the Lord says, this is the day that the Lord has made and you will rejoice and be glad in it. The word of the Lord is coming a second time and I'm opening up even a fresh door of ministry. I'm opening up a fresh call even to the nations. And the Lord says, the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our God and King. And so the Lord says, you're going to be an end time revivalist. You're going to be an end time harvester. And the Lord says, I'm going to cause you even to be... Um, um, even have a victory in many, many areas. So fear not. You will look for those things that have contended with you. You won't even be able to find them. For I'm making you a sharp new threshing instrument, having 
teeth. And the Lord says, you're going to know what it is to, to have such a grip upon the word of God, such a conviction in your heart. And the Lord says, I'll turn the hearts of many and I'll even deliver many because of the cleanliness of your own hands. And you're going to have authority over witchcraft. You're going to have authority over religious spirits and traditional spirits that have made my power ineffective. So the Lord says, daughter, get ready for there's even a fresh door, a fresh new season. And God says, I've prepared you all your life for what you're coming into. So the Lord says, fear not, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Let's go to Esther chapter 5. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes. The Bible, you know, speaks about Esther stepping into the, the fullness of her destiny and her calling. It was five years between when she was first called and brought into being the wife or the bride or the king to when Mordecai, Haman's plan had been um, um, unfolding. Five years uh, of her, you know, being settled in that, in that position of being blessed, of being favoured, of, uh, of just being in that position. And yet the, the, when this broke out... It actually activated the fullness of her destiny. What the enemy means for evil, God will turn around for great good. It must have been hard for Mordecai and his, his family. I mean, they could imagine Mrs. Mordecai doing the dishes, saying, have you seen what Haman's building in the back of his yard? You know, and sometimes like 50-foot high gallows, sometimes like the enemy gets in your face. He wants to intimidate you. He wants to cause you to think that something is so big that it's too hard for God. I remember when a few years ago, my mum, and she'd had many illnesses and, and uh, she had been diagnosed with chronic obstructive airways disorder to such a large degree that the doctor said she has only got months to live. She was being cared for by my sister. And uh, we had a family meeting and um, the five of us brothers and sisters sat down with my sister, main sister Barbara, who was looking after um, our mother in her home with her husband and... Um, <clears throat> And she said, Mum uh, doesn't uh, want, <coughs> she only wants a private funeral. This is what she wants at a funeral. This is, she doesn't want any flowers, um, uh, you know, and we need to prepare for what's coming. I sat there knowing that my, that, that my mum did not know the Lord yet. Uh, something in my heart saying, no, no, this, this is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, speak up at that time. Barbara was on so, so much pressure and uh, with, with, with our mother, she could no longer um, walk. She had um, lost uh, ability to control bodily functions. She was only awake for 20 minutes a part of the day. She'd lost so much weight that she, her false teeth no longer fitted in her mouth. And when we'd come to visit, she would be asleep most of the time and we'd just sit by her bed. And, and Barbara and her husband used to have to lift mum up and put her in the chair because uh, of, of the fluid going into her lungs. And, um, and so I, um, I, I must say that there was so much fear um, at that time of losing my mum and fear of, of knowing that she didn't know the Lord. And so I actually, um, uh, with my prayers, but, but I, I went, also went to uh, the prayer meeting and I asked Clark, you've had Clark here? Yeah. I asked Clark and the team there, could you pray over this prayer cloth? And could we put our faith together? Because I need a miracle for my mother. I need a miracle. 
And so I went and I took that handkerchief and I said to Barbara, can you pin this to mum's nighty? Because we're believing for a miracle. And I said to my mum, I'm praying. We're praying that you're healed. And, uh, and, um, and a couple of weeks later, I rang my sister. I said, is there any change? She said, there's no change. I got another prayer call. I went to the prayer meeting. I said to Clark, can we please play for my mum? She needs to be healed. She needs a miracle healing. And I took it to my sister and I said, can we put this under mum's pillow? Mum, um, you know, uh, we're praying for you. And I rang her a couple of weeks later and I said, Barbara, is there any change? She said, there's no change. I got a healing cloth I went to the prayer meeting I said Clark can we please pray my mother needs a miracle would you stand in faith with me she needs a breakthrough I want to say sometimes we give up too soon I said, I need, we need a breakthrough. And so Clark prayed and he prayed into that hanky and everybody prayed. And I took it to my sister. I said, can you pin it to mum's nighty? And she pinned it to my mother's nighty. And I rang up and I said, how's, how's mum? And, and, um, and uh, no, she, 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 she told me at a visit. Uh, she said, but it's a funny thing with mum. <coughs> because this time we were blending her food because she threw up everything because her heart was was failing and her lungs were, you know, she had that chronic obstructive airways problem. And uh, she said, Mum actually asked for a pie and chips. <laughs> well, no tea, so she said, I want pie and chips with sauce. With sauce. And Barbara thought, my God, well, she's dying. What could it hurt? A pie with chips and sauce. <laughs> As a mum sucked on the chips. <laughs> Ate some of the pie. And slowly things started to change. I rang my sister up a couple of weeks later. I said, how's mum? She said, a funny thing's happening. She said, we get up in the morning. And there's all these empty lolly packets in the lounge. She's been getting up in the night and shuffling out to the lounge. And I said, can she, you know, go to the bathroom? I said, no. Okay, let's pray. Well, she was showering. In the end, she moved back home. Hallelujah. Moved back home to her own home. And then one Easter, I was driving down uh, from the coast to spend time with my mum. And as I was having a bit of a whinge to the Lord. Now, I know you can't imagine me whinging, but I was. One day out of my whole life, I, <laughs> I was driving in the car and I was, Lord, I've been praying. I've been praying for my son and I've been praying for this. And, and you know, I've also been praying for my mum, salvation. And anyway, I got down there and I was going to spend Easter with her because she was on her own. And I uh, got talking and, and, and mum said, she'd been watching the news. She said, Faye, why is there all this suffering in this world? And I heard the Lord very distinctly deep inside me say, be quiet. Don't defend me. <laughs> and certainly don't get into an argument with your mother. Just listen. And I said, Mum, I don't fully understand everything. But the Bible says God will wipe away every tear from your eye, from my eye. That there's a home in heaven. And she said to me, Faye, I don't know him. But I don't know him. I couldn't believe my ears. I said, Mum, you can know him. Well, we can pray right now and you can ask Jesus into your heart. And then she sat on the end of her bed like a little child and she prayed the sinner's prayer with me. Ask Jesus into her heart. And uh, being a Catholic, she said, go and get that statue of Jesus and put it by my bed right now. 
she was born again. And I know only uh, last year um, when we took her out a few days, a few weeks before she went home to be with the Lord, I, I'd taken her out for the day and she was sitting in the back of the car and she said to me, Faye, how old am I again? I said, Mum, you're nearly 80. You, you, I think she's 79. And then she swore. <laughs> oh, that's right. No, I said she, you're 79. And she goes, <clears throat> I'm almost 80. <laughs> that gives you an idea what my mum was like. Gorgeous lady. <laughs> and praise God. Um, yeah, when she went home to be with the Lord. I have great peace because God healed her for several years. She was like, was like several years later before she went home to be with the Lord. But sometimes that we, ha- we have to stand in faith. Amen? Sometimes we have to hang on to the word of God. Am I ever going to get to the book of Esther? I'm sorry. <laughs> but there's, only, um, there's probably a couple of key things I believe God wants to bring out here. That as, um, as Esther uh, goes before the king and the king extends the scepter of favor towards her and he says to her, what do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? I'm going to give it to you, even up to half the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. Amen? And the Bible says, I want you to come to a banquet. I want to put on this banquet for you. And she lavishly just just has this fabulous banquet just to honor him and cause him to know how much he's loved. Haman is invited too. And um, the king says, what is it, Esther? I know something's up. I can tell something's on your heart. And she says, King, if you would come to a banquet, another banquet that I want to put on. And I want to say this. We're being re-educated into intimacy in the, in the body of Christ. Amen? To be lavish with the, with, the, with the worship, to be lavish with the attention, with the relationship, to not skimp on it, to, not, to, just, uh, not to, 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 to just be lavish with our attention with God. And the Bible says the second time the banquet, um, you know, uh, Haman is on his way to... Um, just before the second banquet, Haman is on his way uh, to ask permission to hang Mordecai. Just as he is about to enter into the king's courtroom, the king says, bring me the book of remembrance. And he opens the book and he says, have we ever done anything about the faithful uh, work of Mordecai, how he exposed the assassination attempt and how he's done this and this and this? And they said, no, nothing's been done for Mordecai. Just then, Haman is walking in to ask permission to hang Mordecai. The king says, Mordecai, come here. I mean, Haman, come here. Haman comes up and he says, what, what should I do for the man in whom the king delights to honour? Haman thinks, well, who else would that be but me? So he says, bring the royal horse, get the royal crown, get the royal robe, have someone lead him by horse, on horseback, throughout the streets, proclaiming and declaring, this is what happens to the one in whom the king delights to honour. The king says, quickly, go quickly, get, get Mordecai, put him on a horse. And you proclaim throughout the streets, this is what happens to the one in whom the king delights to honour. And I want to say this tonight, where the enemy sought to come against you, God is now going to turn it around and use it to promote you. The very thing that's come against you, God will turn it around and will be made to bring you to a whole new level of victory and breakthrough. Amen? Hallelujah. The Bible says it as as, uh, Haman goes home absolutely mortified. You know, his wife, he says, well, you know, it looks like it's curtains for you, boy. And um, she is just very unsympathetic. 
He picked the wrong chick there. But anyway, the, um, the, the queen, what happens is the queen uh, invites Haman and the king to another banquet. And he says, now what's the matter? And she points to Haman and she said, this wicked man has sought to kill me and all my people. And the king goes, what? What are you talking about? And uh, then the servant says, yes, he's actually built a gallows for Mordecai. And the king says, go and hang him on it. Hang him on the gallows that he has built. And I want to say that there might be something looming large, looming in your face right now. But it's going to be all turned around. He's a turnaround God. Amen? He, he, he sometimes waits to the midnight hour, but he's a turnaround God. Amen? And the Bible says that Esther then falls down before the king and she begins to cry out and she says, King, how can I endure to see the sufferings of my people? You know, um, please uh, stop the edict going forth that is, that, is, that is going to destroy my people. Please, God, do something. It's like a prayer of us going, please, God, do something. She's saying, how can I endure? And I want to say this. There's got to be some things that really wreck our hearts. There's got to be things and we need to expose ourselves to things that are uncomfortable. There are people tonight that are in difficult, dire situations and I, for one, really don't want to think about it, but I need to. I need to be aware that right now, every 26 seconds, a child or a young girl is sold into sex trafficking in Thailand and Cambodia, in other nations, that right now that, that, that they are being horrifically treated. When they went in to rescue, uh, in one, one situation, there were 35 men in one in room with one young girl. You can buy a child over there for a week. They want them younger and younger. There's a street in Cambodia called the Street of Little Flowers. But those have a particular bent for three, six-year-olds. You know, it's uncomfortable. I don't want to come to church and hear it, but I've got to hear it. I've got to be someone who says to God, how can I endure to see the sufferings of people? God. And you know what God, what the king does? He took off his signet ring and he said, you do something. He said, you do something. He said, right in the king's name. And God has said to the church, church, I have given you all authority and power. I've given you the keys of the kingdom. I've given you authority to bind and loose. And as you decree a thing, it will happen. And we cannot afford just to come to church and have a happy, clappy time and just forget about what's happening. Just forget about people that are needing our prayers and even people around about us that we would say, God, in Jesus' name, I take authority over strongholds that will be preventing people from coming to Jesus. That in the name of Jesus, we use the keys of authority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, write in my name. And, and they wrote that on the very day that they were meant to be destroyed, that they could fight and stand and take the enemy's goods as spoil. And it turned around that it was the rising of Esther, the rising of the people of God. And they rose up and became great in the nation because of the threat. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I have your hand, Joy? Glory to God. I'm going to do this. Whoa. Hallelujah, church. It's a higher law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. The law of Christ, hallelujah, is higher than any enemy law, any edict, any, any threat, anything that's got in your face. The Word of God over your life is higher, greater and more powerful, but it has to be decreed. It has to be proclaimed. It has to be declared. Amen.
Woo! <laughs> You'll see me in the morning going, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe it. I'm getting too old. Amen. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free in Jesus' name. I break the power of the enemy off every. And Lord, I say deal with every child trafficker. Save them or kill them. Every brothel owner that's prostituting children, save them or kill them. Amen. Execute the judgment written. Save the souls. And we cannot afford to be silent. That was what the word for Esther was. If you are silent at this time, church, we've got to rise up and be the church. You know, we've only got a short time left. Let's spend it for God. Let's spend and be spent. Hallelujah. If we give our life's blood seeing souls saved, so be it. Hallelujah. Only a few short years. He's coming back. There's souls to be saved. The Bible says everywhere the king's word went, there was joy and laughter and gladness and new hope. The word was taken on specially bred steeds, specially bred horses. There is a revival anointing God's releasing. His word is going to go forth with great power. Throughout the nations, it's going to run. And I want to say this. He wants you on the front line. He wants you there with the winner's crown. Amen. He wants you there with a joy in your heart saying, God, I'm so glad I live for the gospel. I'm so glad I didn't live for me. Me, my four and no more. And you know, he who waters will himself be watered. He will cause your family to be established. He will cause your household to be saved. But we need to pray what's on his heart. He, we need to pray what he wants prayed. Amen? So let's just stand right now. Because I believe tonight God is going to release a higher law. He's going to release a higher breakthrough. Amen? The Bible says this, Out of the midst of Zion, I will extend the scepter of authority, the scepter of breakthrough. And I believe tonight, symbolically, I saw the Lord extending a signet ring to every single person and putting it on your hand. And I said, Lord, what's that? He said, it's a new mantle of authority, a new revelation of authority, for I'm empowering the church, my signet ring of authority. But also it's a signet ring of intimacy and love. And it says in Hosea, Hosea, Hosea Joel, here we go. It says, uh, I'll make the valley of Achor trouble to be a door of hope. And you will sing there as in the days of your youth. And down verse 19, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice. I will betroth you to me in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. And you shall know the Lord. And it shall come to pass that I will answer. I will answer the heavens. Hallelujah. I believe tonight he wants to reaffirm his covenant love, but also his covenant of authority. He said, I've sealed you with the seal of my ring, but now I release a revelation of a new mantle of authority. The higher law, the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Tonight, before we just uh, finish the meeting and, and uh, pray for people, 
if you're here tonight and, and also if you're here tonight and you raised your hand the other night and uh, I want to pray for people. If you've never accepted Jesus, if you've never had that opportunity, you might have been invited here by a friend and uh, you can sense the presence of God. You can sense something around your heart. And I want to say this, that that's the Lord. That's the Lord revealing his presence. And um, remember about a man who had a dream. And in this dream, he was in a line of people going up into heaven. And he looked over and there was another line in the stream of people going into a black abyss. He looked over and he recognized two friends from school. And they looked back at him and one of them said back to him, said, um, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you tell us? And he said back, well, I thought you'd think I was a nerd and I was a religious fanatic. And this person said back to him, at least you could have tried. At least you could have tried. The dream impacted him so much, he went looking for those two school friends. One he couldn't find, one he did. Led them to the Lord. Hallelujah. Tonight, the Bible says it's given unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. And tonight, God wants to give you the free gift of salvation. He wants to be there for you, whatever you're going through. If you're a Christian, does that mean you don't have any problems? No. You may still face challenges, but you don't face them alone. And you have a God who makes all things work together for good. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here tonight and you would like to ask Jesus into your heart or you would like to reconfirm your commitment to him or if you died tonight and you're not sure where you would go, you might have been raised in a church and loved God but you can't look back to a time when you actually received salvation. With every head bowed, if that's you, I want you just to slip up your hand and and uh, if you slipped up your hand the other night, just put it up again um, because I'm sorry I didn't get to pray for you. That's you. Just put up your hand right now. Slip it up till I see it and then put it down again. Give me a wave if I haven't seen it yet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else want to join this one tonight? And just slip up your hand and just say, Lord, I just want to reaffirm uh, my 100% commitment to you that, that, Lord, thank you for coming into my life. Hallelujah. If that's you, just slip up your hand right now. If you're not sure where you would go if you died tonight, God wants to really, really put that in your heart.